are listening radio madidas india greetings my name is anthony fuchilla i'm a philosopher and a science and science fiction author i would like to thank radio india for this opportunity to give this uh, short presentation a quick short presentation regarding mars terraforming mars and so forth now mars was formed 4.5 billion years ago inside a solar nebula in terms of its size it's just under half the size of planet earth just under half the size of earth now in terms of its early development the immense gravitational forces of jupiter the biggest planet within our solar system the huge jask uh, uh, giant gas planet actually consumed a lot of available material that would have otherwise contributed to mars's growth as it formed and reached hydrostatic equilibrium so the the gravitational forces the enormous gravitational forces of jupiter actually consumed enormous amounts of raw material that would have actually contributed to mars's growth and development so mars was dwarfed as a result of jupiter's enormous gravitational field jupiter dwarfed mars during its early development as its gravitational field enormous gravitational field consumed enormous amounts of material that would have contributed to its development in fact the asteroid belt is nothing but the remnants of a planet that could have formed but was not able to form as a result of jupiter's enormous gravitational field jupiter's enormous gravitational field prevented a planet from forming and so the asteroid belt is nothing but the remnants of a planet that could have been but obviously all we have now is the remnants of uh, which is known as the asteroid belt so Now, interestingly, the distance between Earth and Mars is variable due to their due to their elliptical orbits around the sun. So, at their closest points, they're separated by a distance of 57 million kilometers, and at their furthest point, they're separated by a distance of 401 million kilometers. In terms of Mars's atmospheric composition, while it's 95% carbon dioxide, 3% nitrogen, 1.6% argon, with minimal traces of water and oxygen. In terms of Mars' Mars's average temperature, uh well, its average temperature is about around minus 63 Celsius. Now it takes Mars 687 Earth days to orbit the sun. So once once we colonize the planet, uh we would need a 24-month calendar. One Martian day is actually 24 hours and 40 minutes. Also on Mars, we get enormous amount dust storms. Sandstorms are most common during the perihelion. The perihelion basically means when Mars is at its closest point to the sun. So when Mars is at its closest point to the sun, uh you tend to get a lot of storms. Now we also know that at one time there were huge oceans on Mars. We know that there were huge oceans on Mars. So obviously the water must be beneath its surface. This is at least what we we are led to uh led to believe. In terms of flying to Mars, it's only possible to, it's only possible to fly to Mars every 2 years. It's only possible to fly to Mars every 2 years. And that's because of something called orbital mechanics. Orbital mechanics. Now in terms of farming on the Martian planet, well, the soil on Mars is fertile. Mars has all the essential ingredients that plants need to grow. These are nitrates, uh, ammonia and so forth. In fact, its atmosphere and soil contain many of the main elements crucial to life. Now in terms of actually producing electricity on the Mars on on Mars in terms of actually producing electricity on Mars well this can be done via electrolysis electrolysis is basically this water solution dc current passes through a water solution 
DC current passes through a water solution, you separate hydrogen atoms from oxygen atoms, you store the hydrogen, you pump hydrogen into a fuel cell, recombined with oxygen, you generate electricity. So this is one way that we can actually generate electricity on Mars through electrolysis. Now in, ter in terms of terraforming the planet, well in terms of terraforming the planet it all comes down to this, thickening the atmosphere, thickening the Martian atmosphere, warming the planet and creating a greenhouse effect and allowing water to exist on the surface in liquid form. So terraforming the planet is all to do with basically thickening the atmosphere, thickening the Martian atmosphere, heating the planet, creating a greenhouse effect and allowing the water to exist on the surface in liquid form. Now greater sunlight absorption is key in terraforming the planet, heating the planet and releasing CO2 into the atmosphere to create a greenhouse effect. And over time you create uh, an Earth-like atmosphere suitable for human existence. So what are the ways to actually heat the planet and to create a greenhouse effect on Mars? Well, one of the ways would be to redirect comets and asteroids to crash into its surface. This would release enormous amounts of gas, CO2, into the atmosphere. It would also create enormous amounts of heat. So this is actually a very, very important point. Redirecting comets and asteroids to crash into its surface, as I said, would release enormous amounts of gas and create enormous amounts of heat. The other way would be to pump huge amounts of greenhouse gases into, its, into, its, into the atmosphere. To pump huge amounts of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere will thicken the atmosphere over time. So in other words, importing hydrocarbons. Uh, ammonia is a very strong greenhouse gas. In fact, methane is another very strong greenhouse gas. So by pumping enormous amounts of um, greenhouse gases into its atmosphere, uh, you will over time thicken the atmosphere. And as I said, importation of hydrocarbons is actually essential for this. And ammonia and methane are two of the str strongest greenhouse gases. Now also, introduction of algae. Algae actually breaks down carbon dioxide to make oxygen. And it can help lower the planet's albedo, Mars's albedo, which in turn will help Mars trap more sunlight and heat. So this is very important. So algae breaks down carbon dioxide and produces oxygen, make, makes oxygen. And it also absorbs enormous amounts of sunlight, so you reduce the planet's albedo. So it's very, very important. Very important. In terms of, in terms of uh, the other process would be to use um, orbital mirrors. Orbital mirrors maximize sunlight absorption. Orbital mirrors maximize sunlight absorption, reducing the planet's albedo. Albedo means the amount of sunlight that is reflected back out into space. So with orbital mirrors, you maximize sunlight absorption, you heat the planet, you heat the surface, you melt the ice caps, rivers and lakes are formed, CO2 is released into the atmosphere, and this whole greenhouse effect cycle begins, and you thicken the atmosphere. So orbital mirrors maximize sunlight absorption, heating the surface, melting the ice caps, rivers and lakes are formed, you release CO2 into the atmosphere, and you, you initiate this greenhouse effect, and you thicken the atmosphere over time by maximizing sunlight absorption. Basically, albedo means the, the amount of sunlight that is reflected back out into space. So by maximizing sunlight, you heat the planet, and you can initiate this greenhouse effect, and of course, create rivers and lakes over time by melting the ice caps. So you minimize, you reduce the amount of sunlight that is reflected back out into space. Every astronomical body has an albedo reading. Earth is 0 0.39 and so forth. So maximizing sunlight absorption is essential with terraforming Mars and orbital mirrors can do this uh, very, very well. Now in terms of the problems that, that may arise, 
Well, Mars lacks a magnetosphere. Mars lacks a magnetosphere. And uh, Mars's magnetosphere was actually wiped out as a result of multiple, multiple asteroid strikes. At least, this is what we are led to believe. Mars's atmosphere was wiped out as a result of multiple asteroid strikes, probably around 20 asteroid strikes within a very short time, incidentally would have actually wiped out Mars's magnetosphere. So basically, Mars does not have a magnetic field. It lacks a magnetosphere, which means the planet is bombarded with cosmic radiation. From pulsars, neutron stars, and supernova, we're talking about ultraviolet light, gamma rays, highly energetic particles, which are very dangerous, uh, and, and, and very, very dangerous to, to, to human beings, being subjected to that enormous amount of cosmic radiation on the planet. So this is actually a very big problem. Mars lacks a magnetosphere, which means that humans on Mars will be bombarded with cosmic radiation, which is has serious consequences, health consequences like cancer and so forth. So this is a very, very big problem. One of the ways to override this would be to have the early colonists living in shielded habitats, domes, that actually protect them, that protect, that will protect them from the radiation. Now these these uh, domes would have to be built from special alloys that are able to repel cosmic radiation. So um, yes, this is this is one way forward that we could actually. Um, bypass this problem to a certain degree to actually have domes built from special alloys that repel deadly cosmic radiation so once housed within these domes within these habitats we're safe but obviously once exposed to the landscape then obviously we still have the problem one of the ways as well to help override this would to would be to have robots actually ai working on the red planet for humans uh, in terms of actually building and working towards the whole process of colonizing so that could limit our time exposed to actually the radiation and the safe the safest place for a human would be actually within the domes that have the capacity to actually repel deadly cosmic radiation also the lack of a magnetosphere could pose problems in retaining an atmosphere in time solar winds could tear away the atmosphere solar winds radiation from the sun could tear away at the atmosphere we produce on Mars. In fact, Mars's upper atmosphere and ionosphere is constantly bombarded with solar winds eating away at the upper atmosphere of Mars. So once we create an atmosphere on Mars, we could have the same problem, solar winds, solar winds eating away at the atmosphere. Now one solution is basically this, that NASA are planning to launch a giant magnetic shield into space to protect Mars from solar winds. A powerful enough magnetic shield launched into space could serve as a replacement for Mars' own loss of magnetosphere. The giant magnetic shield would protect Mars and would eliminate many of the solar wind erosion processes that occur within the planet's ionosphere and upper atmosphere, and obviously once we've terraformed the planet, would protect the atmosphere that we've produced, and also help nullify some cosmic radiation. So that's a very important point to, 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 to make. Now, another problem is Mars is gravitational field is very very weak now in terms of retaining a, an atmosphere this could be a huge problem because uh, atmosphere and gravity are intercombined in order to retain an atmosphere you need to have a certain gravitational field mars's gravitational field is very very weak which means once we produce a thick atmosphere on Mars, suitable for human existence, that atmosphere could be very easily lost to outer space because Mars's uh, gravity is not strong enough to retain the atmosphere. Because as I've mentioned, Mars is, in terms of mass, is just under half the size, just under half the size of planet Earth. So its gravitational field is very weak, so once we 
create an Earth-like atmosphere on Mars suitable for, suitable for human existence. So this atmosphere could be very easily lost to outer space because its gravitational field is not strong enough to retain an atmosphere. So what do we do? Well, one of the ways is to retain an atmosphere would be to keep the, 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 uh, the atmosphere very, very warm and replenish the atmosphere and keep the atmosphere very, very warm. And this can be done as, uh, through orbital mirrors and so forth. So that's the key in retaining an atmosphere. The atmosphere needs to be kept very, very warm. Otherwise, you will lose the atmosphere to outer space over time because Mars's gravitational field is not strong enough to retain an atmosphere. Also, the weak gravity means that humans will suffer all sorts of health effects adapting to a much weaker gravitational field. Uh, neurologically speaking, uh, just the whole biochemistry of the body, human body, will go, un- go under enormous changes. Enormous changes being subjected to a much weaker gravitational field within the mind, within the actual complexity of the system itself. A human being will go through many adverse effects being subjected to a much weaker gravitational field. So this needs to be looked at. Over time, obviously, humans will adapt. But uh, this is a problem. Obviously, one of the ways to bypass this is once we've built the indoor world, once we've built domes on Mars, once we've built domes on Mars, through a central fugal force, through a central fugal force, we can simulate Earth-like gravity. So this is one way to actually bypass this problem. Once we've built structures on Mars, the indoor world, domes on Mars, that incidentally are built from special alloys that are able to repel deadly cosmic radiation through a central fugal force, you can simulate an Earth-like gravity. So that's, that is one way to help bypass, obviously, the problem. Now here I just want to mention a very deep philosophical question. Human or Martian? Will humans born on Mars be classified human or Martians, despite the biological and neurological essentials that make man? Over time, mankind will change, evolve. Biological and psychological changes are bound to take place. Neurological changes are certain to take place. So I think the biggest metaphysical question is, will the humans that are born on Mars be considered human? Will mankind lose its identity over time? Uh, Remember, we become our environment. Our environment shapes us. Organism and environment change together. So I guess it all comes down to what, is it, what does it mean to be human? Will a human born on Mars no longer be classified human because he's born on an alien planet? An interesting, uh, an interesting thought. Now in terms of future missions, or should we say in terms of the future mission to Mars, well it will be something like this. When the ship arrives it will orbit around the red planet. The ship will hit Mars's thin high atmosphere at 40,000 kilometers an hour. The ship will have to move through the thin air at a speed and height calculated to put them into what is known as transitional flow. Transitional flow is a state between free molecular flow and continuum flow. Then once the ship hops out of the Martian atmosphere, the ship will slow down by approximately 19,000 kilometers per hour. Now in terms of the descent vehicle, the landing vehicle, Right, well, the first part is to descend from the mother spacecraft, naturally, the main ship. In order for the Mars descent vehicle to fall properly, they will have to decelerate their orbital velocity. Once they hit the atmosphere at a speed of 28,000 kilometers an hour, once they, once they hit the atmosphere at a speed of 28,000 kilometers an hour, they will obviously encounter some turbulence, but thrusters will be used in order to slow descent and control their lateral motion. Now, in terms of the Mars ascent vehicle, well, that's basically, this will be used for one reason alone, getting them back to the main, spa- the mother spacecraft. Now, in terms, in terms of the actual return, this is where it becomes very, very, very complex indeed. In terms of the actual return itself, well, unfortunately, the space vehicle won't be able to land directly on Earth 
because it will be traveling way too fast. In fact, it will be traveling at a velocity of 50,000, 50,000 kilometers an hour. So it'll be traveling at a staggering velocity of 50,000 50, kilometers an hour. So it will not be able to land directly on planet Earth. So what's the technical side here? Well, the space vehicle would have to hit Earth's atmosphere with millimeter accuracy touching the surface of the atmosphere. This will slow the space vehicle down. Then the space vehicle will fly to the moon. On reaching the moon, the space vehicle will return on an elliptical orbit, having to enter Earth's atmosphere again. Once more, it will have to hit the atmosphere with millimeter accuracy. Again, this, the, uh, the space vehicle will hurtle off, but only halfway to the moon this time. It will only go halfway to the moon this time. Then it will return and have to repeat this process around six times. It will take around 10 days. So finally, after this has been accomplished, the, um, the space vehicle will pass through Earth's atmosphere and land somewhere in the ocean. And this is a, a short, my, the end of my short presentation on terraforming Mars and uh, the future of Mars for, for humans. Thank you.